From NPR Music and All Songs Considered, I'm Lars Gottrich, and I'm here with Ann Powers. Hello, Lars. Marissa LaRusso. Hey. And Rihanna Cruz. Happy to be here. It's the Best of the Month show, and we're listening to Album and Song of the Year contenders for 2022. It's never too early to read the tea leaves. What's it gonna take? This is Big Thief. Uh, Big Thief released a double album called Dragon New Warm Mountain. I believe in you. Not quite sure where you're supposed to pause for for emphasis, but the song here is uh, Spud Infinity. This is the band's fifth album. Its members have released uh, several solo records in the last few years, so this is a very prolific bunch. Uh, Ann Powers, what makes this Big Thief double album all 81 minutes of it worth diving into well uh, i mean anything big thief does or anything any member of big thief does is definitely worth a dive but this is a this is that cool mountain spring that you dive into and you never can see the bottom at the same time you can see everything living in it it just encompasses you and how far should i go with this metaphor (laughs) 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 Do we need to go deeper into the earth and come out the other side? (laughs) (laughs) Which is exactly what Adrian Lenker's songwriting does uh, throughout this record. Uh, You know, NPR Music and particularly our fearless leader, Bob Boylan, have been such strong advocates for Big Thief from the beginning that I think it's easy for us to take them for granted a little bit. But for me, this truly is their most realized work a work that you could just, I don't know, you know how sometimes there's a record and it's like, I don't need any other records right now. Like, this is good. <laughs> I, I, I'm fine. This could be the only record in existence. And I think maybe the way it was made, it was made in four different, very different locations. Maybe the fact that Adrian wrote 60 plus songs for it, and they somehow honed it down to this little universe that is this record. Maybe it's strong and very overt connection to roots and Americana music. Um, All of that adds up to me to a very profound work and one that I think I, you know, a lot of people were throwing around masterpiece. Fair. I think that's fair. Marissa, do you think this is a masterpiece? Well, you know, it's funny that you say that because the name of Big Thief's very first album is Masterpiece. And that's like a pretty bold way to enter into people's listening lives by declaring your first record a masterpiece. But I mean, that record is great. And I think this one is also incredible. This is like just a band who is interested in pushing themselves in like really deep collaboration with each other. And I feel like you can hear that in the different kind of movements of this very long album, the different places they recorded it kind of had an impact on the kind of songs they were writing and what those songs sounded like. They're just such a creative bunch of people, so prolific. Yeah, it's a beautiful album. It's an interesting time for this record to come out because for me, it really reminds me so much of the greatest work by Neil Young. And Neil Young's Mm -hmm. been in the news a lot lately. I feel like you could put this record next to both a Crosby, Stills, Nash & Young album like Deja Vu, but also Neil's work with Crazy Horse. And I I think Adrian Linker's relationship with her bandmates is very similar. They're just willing to go wherever 
she leads or they're leading each other. And there's a kind of comfort and casualness, but also just absolute mastery in these songs that really impresses me. I love that Neil Young compares to like the 70s Neil Young vibe was like kind of like was my latch onto it. Uh, let's listen to uh, this is a very long album, as we said, so we should maybe listen to something different. Here's a little bit of uh, Dried Roses. Leave the bed unmade, draw the light green shade, start the microwave, dried roses. Cradle, yes, she does. Lights of fire because window frost, heat loss, dried roses. Steep the black coffee, set the place. So romantic. It's, it's nice hearing Adrian in this mood. I mean, the intimacy of the details, I think, you know, the physical details in these songs, the way that um, just her sense of being in, in a space and noticing everything in that space and how it creates and relates to her emotional state is, is very profound. Big Thief, the record is called Dragon, New Warm Mountain, I believe in you. Let's go next to another ambitious record. This one is by Ravina. The album is Asha's Awakening. Ravina, we're listening to the track Mystery from Asha's Awakening. Uh, Ravina is an R&B singer we've been following for a few years now. And uh, if you've never seen her Tiny Desk concert, it's just a blessing from beginning to finish. Marissa, this record feels like a significant level up uh, for someone who uh, we thought she had a lane, but turns out she has several. No, totally. Uh, yeah, I remember absolutely loving that Tiny Desk when it happened. And that was the same year that she put out her debut album called Lucid. And that album is very soothing, almost to a fault, I would say. But it's very dreamy. It's very focused on like this idea of healing. And I liked that record and I loved the Tiny Desk, but I didn't like fall in love with that record. But when I heard Asha's Awakening, like I fell in love with this record I feel like, okay, you don't really need to know the concept of the record to love it, but there is a concept album-y kind of thing going on. So it is kind of vaguely about 
a Punjabi space princess who travels through space and time for thousands of years and then is like learning about love and the mysteries of life, I think, and then returns to Earth and is like kind of low key a cult leader. Um, <laughs> yeah, but I think more than I anything. Follow it. Yeah, sure. <laughs> new religion, new religion. We don't have to say cult. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, I think more than anything, more than like a very strong narrative, the thing that the concept gives the album is that Ravina just has so much room to like explore and play and it just opens up her sound so much. There's a lot of like, yeah, playfulness and joy on the record. The hooks are so good. The melodies are so strong. The production is so lush. It just, yeah, it feels like a place that I wanted to keep going back to over and over this month. And there are so many, like just the, the song we played was like, just like a cute little beach housey kind of bop. It's mm-hmm. like, like, I want to be on the, yeah. I want to be on the beach, on a shoegazy beach, listening to Ravina play the song. But then you also have the collaboration with Vince Staples, which is just like a, just a huge pop song. Totally. And then also, you know, Ravina is Indian American and she really highlights those influences on this record too. There's a feature on it. Um, from the Indian jazz fusion icon Asha Puthli, who Ravina has said is like a huge influence on her. So hearing that influence on this record too is like a new lane, a new thing for Ravina to explore in her music. And I think it really pays off. I love the uh, tribute paid to Asha Puthli. I got to see Asha um, give a kind of career-spanning interview a few years back. And, and she, like Ravina, is just absolutely genre-busting, adventurous. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. Uh, I love that legacy connection. Rihanna, is there anything that you wanted to add? I like it a lot. It's very meditative, which is something that in pop music I really like to see. I think she does it really well. Sci-fi space epics don't just belong to Prague Rock and George Clinton. Or Janelle Monet. Asha's Awakening by Ravina. <laughs> <laughs> Let's do one more before we take a quick break. Uh, Pusha T, a.k.a. King Push, has been hinting at a new album for 2022, We don't know if this song will appear on that album, but here's Diet Coke. Yesterday's price is not today's price. Imagine every player's aiming coach right. Master recipes under stove lights. The number on his jersey is the quote price. You order Diet Coke, that's a joke, right? Everybody get it off the boat, right? But only I can really have a snow fight. Detroit nigga challenge, what's your dope like? If your bin's bigger, step it up to ghost life. Missy was our only misdemeanor. My tunnel vision's better under stove lights. You order Diet Coke, that's a joke, right? My workers compensated so they don't strike. Wish me luck, see green like Don Bishop. The ones you trust don't change like them chains you tuck. Far as I'm concerned, who's the best? Me and Yezos. Washed and dried, so give me all of mine and pesos. Add it up. Your bitches in them pictures, but they laser tagging us. They mad at us. Who wouldn't be? We became everything you couldn't be. Everything your mama said you shouldn't be. The Porsche's horse is revving like, look at me. Saddle up. I'm still pitching, baby, batter up. Rihanna, you and I share a love for all things Pusha T. And it's been, yes, yes, it's been four years since Daytona. 
Uh, he's doing something very familiar on Diet Coke. He's still finding ways to wrap up the hustle, but this has an old school feel. That is exactly what I wrote in my notes. Um, Pusha T is my favorite working rapper. That is perhaps my hot take, but I really like his formula. I, I think when he sticks to his formula, he really excels. And over the past five years or so, that man has been on it, has been on the beat in a way that I don't think many others are touching right now. Daytona to me is a modern classic in my eyes, and Diet Coke feels like a Daytona B-side, but I don't think that's necessarily a bad thing. I think he's just continuing with this sort of sound that he kind of perfected on that album. So yeah, I, I mean, I know what, every single time I turn on a Push song, I know what I'm gonna get. I'm gonna get the soul samples, I'm gonna get the clever bars, I'm gonna get the flow. But yeah, this song has a specifically like old head feel to it, um, which makes sense because 88 Keys made this beat all the way back in 2004. And then like putting that with <laughs> at the beginning of Fat Joe sample, like it exudes like old New York to me in a way that like I really appreciate. And I, I've been streaming this for hours since it came out. Totally feel that old New York vibe. And in fact, in a strange way, it kind of invokes tribe to me too. Something about mm. the rhythm, the flow of it, I, you know, which is totally different than Fat Joe. But maybe it's just a moment in time he's uh, walking back toward. It definitely has like a a classy Coke rap kind of kind of <laughs> vibe to it. Absolutely, <laughs> absolutely. Where, you know, his work in clips always felt like uh, really ritzy and glamorous, but also dirty, uh, dirty side. This this has more of a bit of a, a Gucci uh, mm -hmm. feel to it. Like you can feel and hear the success mm -hmm. of his work and of his hustle. If this spells like the what what's coming with the new record, I'm pretty excited. Rihanna, I'm curious, you know, you said, oh, this is this sounds like a B-side off Daytona. Do you think that's a strategy? Like he's releasing kind of a casual, song to start the cycle that feels a little planned to me. I think that's a really interesting point to make. However, I always think the singles that Pusha T puts out are excellent. Um, I remember when he dropped Drug Dealers Anonymous back in 2016 with the J feature, and I played that nonstop. Like, that was on loop. I remember every line. It, it has the same energy as Diet Coke, where it's like this very casual sort of um, repetitive beat, just simple flow and like that's where Pusha excels to me. I think Daytona was a really great step in the right direction when it comes to his concept and the album experience that he puts out. But Diet Coke to me, I, I think is like in line with most Pusha singles. That's Diet Coke by Pusha T. Hopefully the sign of good things for a new album. We're going to come back to talk about more great music released in February. But first we need to take a short break. Welcome back. It's the best music of the month podcast from All Songs Considered. I'm Lars Gottrich. I'm joined here today by Am Powers, Marissa LaRusso, and Brianna Cruz. Uh, we've got a drop-in to the conversation. Uh, Tom Heisinger is our classical music expert at NPR Music, and he wanted to share uh, this gorgeous piece sung by Joyce DiDonato. Hey there, Tom Heisinger from NPR Music. You know, sometimes you just want a good banger you can crank up loud and sing along with, right? But what about music that can make you stop and think? Like, think deeply about life's big questions, like, who are we, and why are we here, and what should we be doing? Well, here's a piece that offers a, 
a tranquil kind of space to ask all those questions. It's an orchestral work by the Maverick American composer Charles Ives, whose main gig, by the way, was as an insurance executive. Uh, It's called The Unanswered Question, written in 1908. uh, But here, Joyce DiDonato, the imaginative opera star, has put her own stamp on it by replacing the solo trumpet parts with her own silvery voice. So listen to how the strings shimmer in some kind of, I don't know, primordial haze. And then DiDonato comes in with these undulating phrases that sound like questions. You know, the woodwinds then respond with these little chaotic bursts, and then it all slowly repeats. Oh, and what about the answers to those deep questions? Well, you're going to have to figure that out for yourself. It's Joyce DiDonato here with the ensemble called Il Pomodoro, and the unanswered question by Charles Ives. That was Joyce DiDonato performing a trippy version of the unanswered question by Charles Ives, and I feel like I just made first contact. (laughs) (laughs) To go where no opera singer has gone before. Kind of fits the the whole uh, space vibe we got going with Ravina. Same energy. (laughs) I love especially how in that piece of music you, you, you think you know what Joyce is going to sing and she surprises you. Where you think it's going to go major, it goes minor. And the inversions are just kind of like, kind of wild to think about. Especially as I think about somebody like when my mom was, who was a professional singer, I think she would have been flabbergasted by some of the choices that were made. A gorgeous piece of music. We have one more album to feature on the Best Music of the Month show, but let's take a moment to mention other albums or songs that we're probably going to come back to a lot this year. Uh, let's start with Marissa. Um, yeah, so a record that I am going to come back to a lot this year, I think, is Life on Earth by Hooray for the Riffraff. It is Alinda Cigar's eighth album as Hooray for the Riffraff. And they say they were inspired by The Clash and Bad Bunny and also the book Emergent Strategy by Adrian Marie Brown. So kind of an amazing mishmash of influences there. Um, but I think it's just such a personal and intimate and yet also a really like hopeful and compassionate record. Alinda is thinking about some pretty big questions about like how do we build 
great lives in a time of like total crisis. And yeah, it just feels like Alinda keeps one-upping themselves and I am totally in love with this record. And Powers, tell me what, what else you loved in the month of February. Just an amazing month for uh, visionary artists upping their game. Totally agree with you, Marissa, about Hooray for the Riff Raff, one of my favorite artists of all time. But Mitski, how about Mitski with Laurel Hill? Just Mitski continues to evolve into the pop star we all need so much. And I love the, <laughs> the 80s vibes on that record. I love the deep introspection on that record. And I love the fact that for a brief moment, it was the best-selling album in America. I just love the idea of a pop scene completely dominated by Mitski. Also want to mention Aaron Ray, uh, another artist that we at NPR Music have championed since the very beginning. And Aaron also ups her game. Uh, she's moved out of the kind of very homey, rootsy Americana space she's long occupied, working with the producer Jonathan Wilson for a very cosmic country vibe on her album, Lighten Up. Rana Cruz, uh, how about you? So this month was a really great month for instrumental records for me, which is interesting because that's not necessarily my jam. Um, but two records came out this month that I really dig. One of them is Chris Farron's Death Don't Wait, parentheses, original motion picture soundtrack, which I think is really funny because the movie doesn't exist. It's a fake movie. Chris Farron decided to make a fake spy soundtrack for a movie that doesn't <laughs> exist, which I love. Um, and it relies really heavily on spy movies and sort of the Morricone Western um, aesthetic when it comes to scores. It's really good. The main title is uh, Death Don't Wait, parentheses main title, and Laura Stevenson features on it and does this whole sort of gold member Bond theme type vibe that like I've been I've been laughing at since it came out. I really dig it. And I've also been enjoying Los Bichos. I think that's how you say it. I don't know if it's Bichos or Bichos. Yeah, I mean, I don't I don't really know. I've actually, Los Bichos to me feels like an enigma because their name is in Spanish, but they're from Australia and Sweden, but they do cumbia and like Argentinian stuff on their album. So I'm like kind of confused as to like trying to place them. But um, their album, Let the Festivities Begin, I've been listening to a lot. Uh, because it has that same sort of like 60s and 70s vibe, I feel like this record is if the Shags had musical talent and could like make <laughs> Whoa, hey, Whoa. back off, back off, Rihanna. Fighting words. Secretly, I'm with you, Rihanna. I'm with you. Yeah, like if the Shags had had like a, a sense of like 2022 wow. worldliness, you know, and they could like make an album today, I think it would really sound like this, where it's all these really cool surf rock, like experimental world music vibes all on one album. And the last track is called Lindsay Goes to Mykonos, which I love a Lindsay Lohan shout out in <laughs> all of its forms. Uh, I would like to mention uh, Saba. We, we featured his album, Few Good Things, on New Music Friday. We had Saba himself as a guest on the listening party. And the, the more time I spend with you, good things, the, the, the bigger the picture the album reveals to me. And beat for beat, word for word, Saba is connecting and deconstructing generational health and wealth with a, with a wisdom that I, I don't hear too often. And uh, his last album, Care For Me, hit NPR Music's top 50 albums of 2018. And I, I, feel, like, I feel like he's going to do it again. So that's a few good things by Saba. 
And if you miss the Sabo listening party, uh, you can still watch it on NPR Music's YouTube channel. It's hosted by Rodney Carmichael, host of Loud on the Riot. Highly recommend. All right, last one. Uh, my favorite album that came out in February was something of a surprise to me, but I think it dovetails nicely with that Joyce Di Donato track. Uh, this is the debut from the London band called Caroline. That's Dark Blue by Caroline. Uh, that song uh, originally came out a couple years ago, but it's a new version here. Caroline is an eight-piece band from London that exists in this realm occupied by Talk Talk, the Velvet Underground, Midwestern Emo, <laughs> the Midwest composer Gavin Bryars. Uh, that's, a, that's a hefty group of names uh, to toss out there. Uh, but Caroline makes a crazy quilt of sound that's extremely calming to me. Have y'all listened to this record? I haven't heard this one, but I've liked them in the past, and I like that uh, territory you charted out for us in Francis. <laughs> I really, I really dig it. It gives slowcore. It's very nice. I was thinking, is this like a British version of "The World Is a Beautiful Place" and I'm no longer afraid to die? <laughs> I see it's, it. It's, yeah, I see there's it. There's a kinship Not there. Quite. Yeah. There's a kinship. I yeah. think there's. A little less bombast than the world is, but something about so many members pulling in emo, but also a lot of other influences. Um, yeah, that's what I was thinking. I feel like we should mention Black Country New Road, who mm -hmm. also had a record this month. Uh, something's happening with these uh, collectives. I don't know. Lars, what do you think? Like, is it sharing the spotlight, you know, trying to have a kind of anarchist spirit <laughs> in the music? Is it's that what definitely. Makes it yeah, it's it. I was thinking about this the other day. How, like, especially in the early two thousands and the the indie music scenes, like there was this idea that music should be bigger, and therefore the ensemble should be eight, fifteen, twenty member <laughs> members, and just be just an incredible bombast. But the thing that uh, I think I find particularly compelling about Caroline is that. It is not bombastic. Mm -hmm. It is actually very quiet and pastoral and lush, but it's also atmospheric and urban and gray. And uh, you get the sense that they want bigger, brighter things from life, but the chaos of the world kind of breaks them apart. And you can hear that, especially in like, the improvisations that happen towards the tail ends of these songs. They're like densely just deconstructed, but they don't quite fall apart. It's like, they want to hold on, but they're holding on to each other. I found something like very like comforting in that. No, that's really beautiful, Lars. I I think the patience and like stillness of this record also really stood out to me. Not something I expected from 
an eight-person band with so many different voices and instruments. But yeah, there is a sense that you hear everyone's voice kind of working together. And yeah, and there's a lot of like quiet and meditativeness in these songs too. I think bands right now in this kind of indie, I don't want to call them rock because it's like, who knows what we should call them. But in this space, they're really respecting their listeners and their audience, you know. They're expecting us to take that time and really sit with the music. And I love that in the age that's supposedly defined by TikTok and, you know, tiny little bits of culture hitting us from all sides at all times. I like the fact that artists are giving us a chance to just, like, float, you know? That's exactly why I like this track, because it has a slow buildup and you get really acquainted with the sound and the vibe and the energy that the band is bringing to the track. And I, I really appreciate that. It felt, again, I've said it about Ravina, but it also felt very meditative. Caroline is the band and the album title. And that's the best music of the month from February. Thank you, Ann Powers. Thank you so much. Great to talk. Thank you, Marissa LaRusso. Honored to be here. Thank you, Brianna Cruz. Thanks for having me. And thanks to Tom Heisega for the drop-in. You can find all the songs and albums we played in the show description or at npr.org slash allsongs. For NPR Music and All Songs Considered, I'm Lars Gottrich. Thanks for listening, y'all.